elegant weapon for a more civilized age. Indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to An Elegant Weapon, episode 378. My name is Jay, J.M. Clark, Jay the Jedi Ross, Ross Jedi Jade. As always, it is so wonderful to have all you beautiful babies here with me in the Smoking Pod studio. I forgot how long this old intro was. Oh, a little uh, pump up the volume in there too, right? Good times indeed. It'll take a minute to let that play out. No wonder I changed that to a shorter version. I guess I got tired of sitting there listening through that. I wonder if you all oh, the good old beam them up. Kids, how's everybody doing? It's good to be back. It's good to be hanging out with y'all. Let's do that uh, awkward thing where everybody opens up their pages and then they hear each other. Then if they want to share, everybody can share. And I can see comments and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, it's good to be back, kids. Hope everybody's doing well. Tonight in the house with us, our guest, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Ryan Tavares. How are you, sir? Howdy. Doing good. Doing great. What's Excellent. happening? Uh, not too much, man. Just chilling out, doing uh, doing the whole COVID thing. You know what I mean? How's your COVID treating you? It's been productive, to say the least. That's good, man. It seems with a lot of people, it's either gone one way or the other. You know what I mean? So, And whereabouts are you? So I'm in Pontiac, Michigan. Oh, another Michigan kid. Listen, everybody out there, I, I know with the whole source point thing and everything, I swear to God, I am not biased and just trying to get everybody from Michigan on the show. Ryan approached me. So <laughs> Michigan likes to come on. Let's put it that way. Uh, that's cool, man. I love Michigan. Michigan's a great place. Are you born and raised in Michigan? Oh, yeah. I'm born and raised. Right on. That's awesome. You enjoy it there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I uh, moved around a little bit and uh, came back because there's no place like home. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Um, yeah. All right. So tell me a little bit about yourself since I know absolutely nothing. This is a little bit of a get to know you session. So yeah, uh, what's off. your deal? Uh, are you like a pro creator? You got one of them day jobs. What do you what do you get up to in your days? Yeah. So by day, I'm a graphic designer. Uh, I work in garment design for the sports industry. Um, so I make jerseys, logos, all sorts of stuff like oh, that. Oh, that's cool. By night, I'm a I'm a comic book artist, comic book writer, anchor, penciler, colorist, all of it, one man army when it comes to this stuff. Um, I am an art school dropout, so I'm self-taught, and okay. I've been making books for going on 10 years now. Good gosh. So creativity has kind of always been your targeted focus in life since you were a little kid, or...? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. yeah like man. this guy just incessantly drawing constantly all the time. Yeah. Nonstop. Nonstop. Yeah. yeah. Always like, um, well, especially growing up in the nineties, right. There was no shortage of comic book, superhero cartoons and, right, and right. video games, all of it, man. Right. What were your big influences? So like, if, if I think back like very beginning, like very early on, it was a Batman animated series. It was um, like video game instruction manuals. 
I know that sounds funny, but like back in the day, they used to have cool cartoon drawings of Link and and Mario, and there's all sorts of cool art that was in there. Sure, um, man. I know a few artists who have been inspired by things yeah. like the old Hasbro packaging and stuff like that. You know, for sure. Oh yeah. yeah um, yeah. and and then when I was able to read, I had an older cousin who started just feeding me image comics. I might've been a little too young to read them, but uh, <laughs> that's kind of where I started actually looking at comics. Uh, really loved like uh, the Sam Keith Wolverine. Right, right, um, right. Yeah. All that stuff. So at a very early age, I was kind of getting into that and just captivated by the artwork in it. So what uh, was it graphic design that kind of led you to being a, a jack of all trades sort of thing? You wanted to learn a little bit of every area or? Well, a lot of it was just kind of out of necessity. So I just after dropping out of art school, I wasn't I didn't have like a big circle of other artists. I knew a lot of writers. I knew a lot of people who liked reading comics, um, but I didn't know a lot of people who knew how to make them. So a lot of it was just like trial and error uh, and just kind of teaching myself and over time just kind of getting used to having full control over that process and just being able to kind of like almost from beginning to end be able to make decisions on it okay yeah um i'm interested in the evolution of that what came first were you writing and then realized you needed to learn to draw or was it vice versa or um no actually so i had i had two i still have two really good friends who are writers and um, it started just like late night, 24 hour diner. Uh, we knew each other since grade school. We used to always make up little stories and stuff. We split apart and got reconnected after high school. And so uh, the story has it, me and my buddy, Steve, we, I ended up giving him a ride home one day. Uh, it was raining or something. And he was, he was gonna have to ride his bike home. So I gave him a ride. And on the way home, we stopped to get dinner at this 24 hour diner. and it, it at first was just like, Hey man, do you still draw? Yeah. Do you still write? And before we knew it, we were just like meeting up every other night and just spitballing ideas and just like trying to get some momentum on that and trying to learn like, how is it that you, how do you make one of these things from beginning to end? And a lot of it was like passing books back and forth, you know? So we would be mm -hmm sitting there just drinking bottomless coffee until four in the morning, <laughs> just like passing books. Like, yo dude, check this shit out. Look, look what Frank Miller did here. Like this dark Knight returns. This is so awesome, man. Like remember the good old days like that for sure, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Almost like you and your friends would have like a little comic book club to yourselves, you know? <laughs> oh, totally. And yeah. I mean, to this day still do. So uh, that kind of tra like transition and evolved, um, to me, learning skills that actually got me into graphic design. So by learning, by having to teach myself how to use Photoshop and Illustrator and, and learn how to do, how to print books, doing page layout, learning about trims and bleeds and all of that, it actually gave me the skills so that when I applied for my first graphic design job, I was, I knew what I needed to know for the most part. Okay, that's kind of crazy, man. That's a, like a really weird way to go about getting a career by teaching yourself how to do this stuff and then going out and getting it. Like, where did art school fall in there? Like, was that to learn to do stuff or were you doing stuff and figured, oh, I might try this and then it didn't work out? Or where, where does that fall in your time? Well, so I was going to college for creative studies in Detroit during the recession. And I only got into a lot of the, the foundational courses. So a lot of like just traditional drawing 
and uh, learning how to do like figure drawing and observational stuff and a little bit of painting, a little bit of digital, like it was like a little bit of everything. Right. Right. And then, but when I dropped out, I actually ended up getting into it and another thing that was kind of self-taught. So, and you can still do this, but what I ended up doing was studying and taking tests and getting certified. And from there, I ended up getting a gig at this garment design place. And when they realized, and what I would do is I would draw on this whiteboard. Actually, I have a whiteboard behind me. I would draw on this whiteboard and I used to draw like Star Wars stuff and like all sorts of different characters on this whiteboard. And one of the art directors, he ended up coming through and he's like, who drew this? What is this? And and from there, it was just like little interactions like that where people would just start coming back and checking stuff out. Um, I ended up making friends with... Uh, another one of the uh, product developers and just kind of kind of started to, it was like a mentorship, you know, working with them and just uh, making stuff, you know, and, and when the time came, I applied for the, for a position that opened up and I ended up getting hired in as the graphic designer. And I've been doing that for almost five years now. Nice. It sounds like you were one of the type of folks who just watches for them open doors, eh? Like when you when you got a way you want to go, is that kind of how you look at things? Like you're always looking for that opportunity or Yeah, I well, I think the thing is too I I'm I'm very much a believer in practice. I don't I I talent plays into it, but I also think that there's very uh very talented and very skillful people who may not have had like an innate ability. Um, I, was I also say you must be very disciplined to be able to teach yourself that stuff and go through that stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of early mornings, a lot of late nights sort of thing. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you, man, I've said this before on the show. When I started podcasting like nine years ago, I could barely use Facebook. And because of podcasting, I have had to have those, endless sleepless nights on youtube learning how to make websites and make rss feeds and this and that and blah 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 and uh it's cool when it's something you're passionate about you know what i mean you can honestly like before you know it hours have flown by while you're just soaking in the information how to make stuff and it may take yeah. hours to figure out this one little thing but when you do it's like the best feeling of the world right well, okay. So that, and that's funny that you bring that up. And it's always like the first time that you're doing something, it seems like it's incredibly difficult or really monumentous. Like it's this big task, right? Like printing your first book, um, me making like actually printing up a physical copy, like taking it to a printer and getting copies ran and made took me a full year to, to just get one. It wasn't even 20 pages. It was, it was a 13 page ash can. Okay. And and so, but once that first book was made, it was kind of like game on. It was just like, let's just, let's do this again. And it's, it's like, same thing with what you're talking about. Even like video editing. I had to make my first video for my Kickstarter um, just recently. And, and once that was done, I was like, all right, time to go. Let's make another video, you know? Right. You sound like one of those perfect artists for today, man, because art really is nowadays. It's, it's a, especially in the consumer market. It's such a cross between technology and you know, old school creation these days that it really pays off to have your toe dipped in both pools, right? Yeah. Well, it also gave me access to a lot of the stuff that I probably wouldn't have had access to. 
like scanners and tablets right. and right right i mean if you can i I'm, I'm right with you there if you can do it yourself do it yourself right like why depend on somebody else i mean other than the team aspect of wanting to be creative with another creator if you can do all that crap yourself and handle it you know to a certain extent and doing what you you want to accomplish with it that's fantastic that's where you want to be right yeah. Well, and, and so that, and that was the, that was the later part, right? Like it was learning how to collaborate because if you work in a bubble for so long, right. when you come out of that bubble, it, not, it can be a little a tricky. Player. Right. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right on. So tell me about the history of your work then. Cause I am unfamiliar with it. So what have you released and uh, where are you at? What's going on? What kind of books uh, are we talking about? Okay. So <clears throat> Well, I just want to say right now, currently I'm running a Kickstarter for my series Nomads. And the reason why that's important is because Nomads was actually my first printed book. Um, it's, it's a story that takes place in a primal post-apocalyptic future. So if you think like Mad Max mixed with Terminator, but then mix it with Conan, Conan the Barbarian. Right, right. So rather than clinging to technology, the, the survivors of this cataclysm, they've kind of gone back to nature. Um, and so that, that first book, I just after hours after work, just busted my ass on it to, to get it printed. And I started with that zero issue. And that was in, and I ended up doing my first show that same year in, in 2016, it was like 2015, 2016. Okay. Yeah. What show was that? Uh, it was, it was a smaller convention around here. Uh, uh, great. Camp it was here? a great lakes con. Oh, okay. Right on. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah so I did a great lakes con. It was like a February of 2016. And, and from there, what, what was actually really interesting is that single book ended up opening a lot of doors. So you end up meeting a lot of people and um, meeting other artists. I think that was like one of the, the most exciting things about that whole thing. And um, from there, I ended up meeting uh, this group of guys called the Three Wise Men, excuse me. And we ended up doing, uh, we're working on a series together called Motor City Mo. And that's on the fourth book. Well, we're currently in production for the fourth book out of five. Okay. Um, from there, I, I've been releasing issues of Nomad about once a year. Um, okay. And in between there, doing a lot of like one shots. and. So how many issues are in this first volume that's going to Kickstarter then? So the first, the first volume. On Kickstarter and funded already, I believe, by the way. Congratulations, right? Thank you very much. We funded before noon. It ended up just like, just cruising, got funded. Nice. And, and we're just kind of rolling from here. So volume one. Uh, the desert arc is going to collect the uh, the first four issues and that's the the zero issue issue one issue two and then a double-sized finale which hasn't been released yet um and so we're looking at about 120 pages and uh with extras plan on putting all sorts of like cool extra stuff in there um process images uh, homage covers, um, and all, all sorts of stuff. Let's take a gander kids. Shall we over here? 
at uh, the Kickstarter for Nomads, and we can give you all a chance to take a nice look at it yourselves. Why isn't my stuff opening up? There we go, right here. Yeah. So you were asked. Now you got to remember that uh, we're a bunch of foreigners out here, so everything comes through the internet differently. Looking for us, but you were looking for a goal of three thousand three hundred thirteen dollars Canadian, and you have achieved pledges worth five thousand five hundred fifty dollars Canadian. And that's off sixty-five backers, so that's fantastic. That's great. And there's still thirty-nine days to go, so you've got a whole lot of partying and pushing to go on for the next little while. Uh, we're happy to be a part of it, but here you go, kids. Here's Nomads, Volume 1, The Desert Arc. Um, so tell me about the comic itself, where the inspiration come came from for this story and the characters and stuff. Okay, so um, Nomads, Volume 1, um, follows the, the character Hawk as he tries to find his family or his tribe who was lost in a botch hunt. And so using only tracks, he's, he's been trying to track down where they could be. Um, the tracks eventually lead him out of the jungle and into the wasteland, the badlands, um, where he, you know, comes head to head with all sorts of different beasts and uh, other tribes and other savage warriors. Um, here he is, he's, he's meeting one of uh, one of the other characters, his name's uh, Boar, and he's he's the king of his tribe, of his clan, and he ends up swearing a, a pact to help the hawk find his his tribe. Um, back you know back in earlier days, the hawk tribe and the Boar tribe actually worked together, and and but had become estranged, and okay. Boar kind of sees this as like a kind of like a sign from the gods. Because uh, there's like a history there, right? Yeah. Yeah, this is beautiful, man. I love the design of these characters. They're totally whacked out. They don't look like, but they remind me of, uh, do you remember Muscles? No. The, okay, there were these little toys called Muscles. And they were these little pink figures. And uh, yeah, you know what? I could probably find them here. But each one was like a different type character, but they were totally like. Oh, yeah, dude. And. I do remember these. You do you remember those? You get them in like vending machines yeah, and stuff. Yeah, they come in little packs and they're like little pink little rubber guys. But each oh, one yeah. had, had this weird like like gladiator or like warrior look to it. And, you know, oh, yeah. I'm kind of feeling that vibe here. I love the, not that it looks like the muscles, but you know what I mean? I like the oh, no, whole, it could, uh, man. idea of the character design. And these colors are popping, man. Thank you. Thank you. That's look at this cover. This is the cover here. Um, that's a cover for the second issue. Oh, for the second issue. Yep, yep. Um, the the cover for the graphic novel was at the top. That was the first image you saw. It's like a. You can see the you can see where your graphic design comes into play there with your like cover layouts and stuff too. Thank you. That's just yeah. That's the cover, right? That's great. So um, the the plan is uh, I'm gonna have three volumes, each being about four issues each. Um, but we're going to be releasing uh, as collected trades from here on out. Okay. Um, and each uh, each volume is going to take us through a different part of the world. So that's why this one is the desert arc. This is you know them going through the wasteland and and uh, and crossing the threshold into you know another region. Right. Do you work digitally? So I. So what's funny is 
because mix, no one, but it's a mix, ain't it? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. a total mix. Um, colors are always digital. Um, my line work has gone back and forth between traditional and digital. Um, but currently it's, it's all brush and ink. Yeah. The colors pop, man. Love it. Is there a, would you put an age group on this? What's your demographic for this? Cause it looks fairly family friendly. Uh, so, okay. So it's, I would say it's, uh, you know, 12 and up, there is some violence, there's fighting. Okay. Um, but not, not anything that you wouldn't see in a lot of movies and TV shows nowadays. For sure. Hey, come here. Come here. What do you think here? Cool. Looks cool. Interesting. <laughs> this guy, he likes this weird monster character that looks like it's made out of Skittles. <laughs> it's very cool though isn't that rad stuff yeah yeah i love i love the colors just all over like just in the right places man i like your touch i'm looking forward to reading this book someday you want it yeah should we pledge yeah you got you got the padawan's thumbs up for a pledge so we'll all have right. to get on that yeah but uh as far as pledges go tell me a little bit about your reward tiers and stuff what we got here yeah so ten dollars gets you the digital 25 for the physical book. Um, and then from there we do, uh, we have a couple print packages. Uh, one of them being a hand pulled silkscreen poster that I'm working on. Ooh, that's uh, cool. Yeah. So one of the ideas I had was I wanted a lot of this stuff to be made by me. So um, the mini prints I'm going to have printed by a printer, but the, the silkscreen print, I'm going to pull myself. Um, I have, shirts uh you can choose from two designs and that i'll be pressing myself i actually work for a company that makes the stuff that goes on shirts so i can press my own shirts um from there you can get uh, a, a personalized sketch commission you can purchase original art so you can if you back our $125 or our $150 tier, you can actually get an original page from the book. The deluxe super fan pack. Yep. For $125, yeah, you can get pretty much one of everything. That's uh, that's excellent. Those are some uh, well-rewarded tiers going on there, kid. Thank what do you, you got here? Oh, create your own OC nomad. What's happening there? Yeah, so for, for $200, you can send in. Actually, if you scroll down a little bit, I have an example of it. If you, if you scroll down in the body, um, and you can see this is actually pretty cool. I, uh, along the way I've oh, been getting a lot. That. Yeah. So that's, that's the design for the screen print poster. Cool. And I want to do one for each volume. That's going to be significant to that volume. There's some original art kids. Mm-hmm. Gorgeous. Thank so you. there's the 150, uh, book and original page. And, With the inks. uh, here you go. So this, so here's the create your own nomad. So uh, someone can send in their own character design and I'll draw it into the book. I wanted to do a cameo tier, but unfortunately everyone in this world wears a mask. So I thought it'd be really cool, you know, if people could design their own nomad and, and get them in the book. Better. I was about to say that's a great idea and it's cool that it came born out of the fact that everybody in this world wears a mask, which is also very cool. And uh, I'm just noticing now that you're saying it that, yeah, they all do wear a mask. Um, 
but yeah, most people are, it's a cameo tier all the time. Right. And yeah. you're, you know, a chance to actually design an original character. That's a huge opportunity kids. Like if you can get on that uh, reward right there. That's a cool thing to have, you know? And, and, and so check it out. So, you know, one of the things I wanted to make sure too, is that those characters get a good, uh, good spread. Right. So I'm going to be doing a full page splash for each one of those characters. And right, you okay. will get the original art sent to you with the book. That's very cool. Cause also you never know what happens if one of these characters like blows up or something, you know what I mean? And then you end up making like books out of someone else's character that gets them. That's cool for everybody. I love that idea. You never know what's going to grow out of something, an opportunity. What is the $1,000 handmade leather bound nomads, ancient tome. Come Check that on. Out. That is great. Yep. So uh, that's to make that too. Yeah. So oh I actually, I, we, we already have a backer for that tier. Um, so I'm, I'm sourcing the leather. I'm ordering the leather um, and I'm going to be, you know, hand cutting and tamping the cover, doing a primitive stitch around the edge and, and uh, finding the book. Is this something you already know how to do or are learning yeah. for this process? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's a little bit of both. I've done it on a smaller scale this is a lot more ambitious, but yeah, I've definitely put books together before by hand. Um, yeah. So th this would be cool. This is like Dirk Manning level shit here, man. This is like taking it to that next level. That's a fantastic idea. And the fact you're going to do it for you, it's not just like the difference here is you're not just paying to have something done as a cool reward for your tier. This is yet another thing that you're hand making yourself, which is just crazy, man. Like, yeah. I'm that, quite impressed. And, and I'm been the quite impressed with uh, with all the plates you're spinning here, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, and so one other thing, uh, at the end of the the campaign, I'll be picking five backers at any physical tier to get a uh, to actually get an original piece of art as well. So you know you have okay. a chance to still win a an original piece. That's super fun. And I love that you're doing this because this is very transparent, kids. Here, right up on the Kickstarter, you can check out the budget and the spending plan. This is always a good idea for projects to do because before they go into a Kickstarter, they should have this stuff sorted out. And they should have this all worked down right to the non-existent penny and, you know, to keep things smoothly. So very cool that you've done this. I always respect transparency. So people, you know, and can, people can learn a lot from this too, right? Yeah, Absolutely. Um, that was something that I was very conscious about, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to get into a situation where I couldn't, couldn't uh, cover my ass, you know, of course, of course. So, okay. So you get the Kickstarter done. Um, how does this uncertain future look to you? Like what, what's the plan if uh, we can't have comic cons and stuff right now. What route are you taking? Cause many people are taking many creative routes right now. Are you just going virtual hard or. Um, so I, I'm, I, I believe that conventions are going to eventually come back. Um, but I think one of the things that pushed me into doing a Kickstarter was the fact that there wasn't any conventions this year. I was planning on doing motor city con and, uh, and also launching this Kickstarter at the same time. Right. Um, and I started to look at Kickstarter more as a distribution service 
rather than gathering funds to make something because I'm the writer and the artist. I don't have to get funds together to make this. I only need time. Um, so this is a way for people who aren't necessarily coming out for a show to actually put money down, buy the book and get it before anyone else, before we return back to con season. And in fact, you know, once, once this is fulfilled and completed, I'm going to be looking at, you know, other projects that I might be able to launch and produce on this platform. Right. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's a great business model that way. And I love you optimistic. Oh, I love you optimistic Americans and mute stupid video, stupid you Facebook. Um, what was I just saying? What was I just saying, bud? Totally blank. Oh yeah. I love the optimism of you Americans that things are going to go back to normal. <laughs> well, you know what that normal is i'm sure it will one day i it's hard i'm bitter right now i mean i i I live and thrive off comic cons and they're just not a part of our our culture right now and it's a it's a weird thing to get used to you know were you uh did you just regularly kind of do the one con or did you get into doing a lot like how many cons were you doing every year did it become a real part of your process um so I truth be told, I only would do about one or two a year. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of it's based on whether or not I have something new to put out. Uh, so this is, so looking forward, you know, at future cons, this is something that will be a staple of what I have to sell. I was getting tired of having to reorder single issues. Right. So that, that was part of it too. It was just like, okay, like, I need to make sure that I have the same amount of all of these issues. And just in case someone right. wants a whole run, you start getting wonky. If people want a series, right? Absolutely. Right. You know, uh, trades are kind of the way though, these days, you know, yeah. I've gotten to the point where the single issues I get are usually things that are going to be a real short run or, you know, one shot type stuff. But definitely if a trade's available, you just got to go with it. There's too many long boxes on the shelf. You know what I mean? Like I'd love to collect all the comics, but you know, you just can't at this point. So, you know, yeah. it's, it's kind of crazy. So uh, you mentioned other things you might be able to take part in. Do you have any dreams and goals for the future as far as other projects or ideas that you've got stashed away? Like, uh, are you prolific enough? You've got like a secret file cabinet in the closet that's just full of ideas. Uh, yeah, I have. I, I have quite a because I'm writer artist. So I'm always thinking of stuff to write. But not only that, I'm collaborating with a bunch of different people. So. I am not only working on Nomads right now, but I'm in production with uh, a series, Motor City Mo. Um, right, right, right. You mentioned I'm in production that. with another series uh, called uh, Swartzenizzle's Ascension. So okay, that- tell me. Sorry, I got to hear about this. Swartzenizzle's Ascension. Ascension. Yeah, so, so it's think. <laughs> all right. So it's kind of this like uh, kooky sci-fi throwback about. Uh, four blue collar contractors who <laughs> it's kind of like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles mixed with gnomes. Let's put it that way. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't even know where to go with that in my head visually. Like I can't even, right. I don't even so, know how to come up with that. So kind of, kind of going for like a, kind of like a Johnny quest venture bros feel. Okay. Right um, on. Yeah, and so that that's going to be a, a one-off graphic novel that should be coming out sometime next year. Um, and then beyond that, um, I'm probably going to be doing a, a 
kind of like a dark fantasy story that I'm not really ready to talk about too sure, much. Sure. But then focusing on nomads. So the goal for me, so prior, I was releasing one issue of nomads almost a year, but moving forward, we're really ramping things up and I want to get the next volume out um, in the next six to eight months. Oh, right on. You're just yeah. going to keep it going. Bang, bang, bang. Yeah. Yeah. Keep the momentum up and let's get this story out and, and hopefully be, um, you know, close to rounding up the series within the next year. It's exciting stuff, man. I'm, 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 ex- I'm stoked to see it all. Like you get a lot of wacky things going on, you know, but that's what I like. A lot of weird, yeah. weird pokages and stuff, you know, all, all over the place. Right. Like, uh, doing some action, uh, motor city mode is like a crime noir, um, then going into some fantasy, just a little bit of everything. I, I don't want to get pigeonholed. I don't want to be a one trick pony. Um, and I'm always, if it's not obvious, I like to learn and try to do different things. So it just keep it interesting. It's apparent, I think, I think it came across. <laughs> cool. Is there anything, is there other stuff you haven't mentioned? Like anything weird that you're also into, like maybe outside of just pure art, like, are you out there whittling in your backyard too or crocheting and shit? Like what else is in this bag uh, of tricks? So um, something that I've been thinking about uh, and kind of working on is looking at doing more printmaking. Um, so block prints, screen prints, uh, and just kind of maybe venturing out a little bit more into some more de- decorative stuff. Cool, um, cool. Right on. Play a lot of video games. I play D and D and, you know, just work on my house and, you know, that's about all I have time for, man. Right. No, it's dude. You've, you, it sounds like there's no time enough in the world for everything that you've already taken part in. Uh, Attack of the Rivals. Uh, what's the deal behind that? Explain that to us a little. So Attack of the Rivals is my uh, self-publishing label. So that's me and my writer buddies. And, um, you know, if, if we, if we uh, put together any sort of other collabs, that would be what we would publish it under. Right, 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 right. That's, yep. so uh, that's the group of friends that started up 10 years ago. And we 10 just years tired. now, and eh? just banging it off. That's cool, yeah. man. That's super fun. It's nice when friends can keep making stuff for that long together. You know, a lot of story and history comes out of that too, I'm sure, right? No, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, man. Oh, well, and I think, so and I guess I just want to give a shout out to uh, my buddy, Stephen Kurbitz, who helped me edit nomads he's he's one of those writers who's been around um he's okay. the one I'm gonna... sorry wise enough man that despite the fact that you're such a one-man army and doing all this stuff yourself pay attention to this kids even though he's doing absolutely everything himself he was still smart enough to get a goddamn editor sorry we've been trying to like just punch this fact home for weeks now on this show because it's a big problem out there the kids don't think they need to be edited so i'm so glad to see that you at least went to that point where you brought in an editor that's that's man that shows wisdom right well and then the, the other thing too is that uh he's been around for a long time we've worked together a lot so we have a synergy going you know it's a partnership it's not um absolutely they're part of the team man yeah and and so yeah i just really wanted to shout him out and uh you can't work in a vacuum you can't work in a bubble you need to have other eyes on it yeah, if you've made a comic, even if you've gone as far as making and printing that comic, if you haven't had an editor lay eyes on it, that comic's not done. I don't care right. how many copies you printed. Like, it's not done. It's not complete. It's part of the process, unless you're 
so goddamn good. But I mean, all the pros, everybody's got an editor. That's why it's editor in chief. Like for some reason, <coughs> there's a lot of belief in like the indie community that it's not always necessary, but it's like, it's, it's an absolute necessity at the top. You know what I mean? Everyone gets edited. I don't care who you are. And to be on, you know, the indie scale thinking it's not necessary. You don't know yourself that good. You know, you need, like you said, you had to have other eyes on it because you're always going to be biased towards yourself or blind to certain things. Right. Right. Totally. And uh, even my editor has an editor, right? So even Steve. Oh, even really? Though, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So when he's writing his stuff, even he has an editor. So I, I think it's just super important. It just what you got to do. I've seen it in recent works that have come out. I mean, there's certain editors that out there that I, I see the vast improvement in that creator's work, especially with the writers when they've worked with an editor, especially a quality one. It just it, it just it tightens things up. It just cleans things up. It's just that final absolute polish that should be happening through the whole process. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's almost like they're thinking of the end game right from the beginning. You're trying to make it, you're like this page and that now I got to do the lines and now I got to do the colors and you're going through the steps and you're getting the process done. The editor is seeing the end product in their head from the very beginning, far more focused than kind of the artists. They, they're busy making it, you know? So mm -hmm. having that outside look, just it keeps it polished from the beginning through the rough stages, if that makes any sense. Oh, and, absolutely. Especially yeah. if you're trying to weave plot elements together and stuff. Like I'm not always, I mean, I'm thinking of that shit, but it's not always organized in my head. It's kind of just like floating around in there. And I might, right. I tend to write a uh, full script for myself, but yeah. even then it's like, there's so many moving parts and pieces that if you don't have someone kind of keeping you accountable or keeping track of that, it can get away from you really quick, especially yeah. Editor is almost uh, an oversimplification of the role. Like it's, it's team leader more than anything. It's almost like team captain, you know, it's, it's, it's a, you're not the driving force of the creativity, but you're the manager. You're the team manager, keeping everybody organized and everybody on point and making sure they're not going off the rails. You know, it's, and you need to have it there. A lot of people will do the whole goddamn thing and then they'll take it to an editor and the editor will like rip it to shreds. And it's because you didn't have them there from the beginning as part of your team. Like, don't just make something and hire an editor in the end. Like, you know, it's, it makes a lot more sense to have them as part of the process. It's going to save you a lot of time, at least in the end. Right. A lot of mistakes you're going to make. They're going to point out as you're making them. And right. That's vital to the process, at least, you know. You want to make comics in less than two years at a time, right? <laughs> For sure. Well, especially just learning to collaborate, right? Yeah, and, yeah. And working with them and taking that feedback. And they're going to punch you up, but it's going to kind of, it should help you, um, help you along the way. And, so yeah. uh, anything you're enjoying these days? Anything you're into? Anything you're reading? Uh, yeah, so uh, kind of a confession. I read Watchmen for the first time and oh, yeah yeah interesting <laughs> so <laughs> it was one of those things where you know you hear a lot of high praise about it and so much praise that you're kind of just like okay like i need to wait until i don't have someone telling me how to feel about this right you know and uh and that's a hard time to catch man <laughs> yeah well you know when you're in quarantine it's kind of the perfect time right so True. i was able to sit down with it uh, kind of, you know, one-on-one -on -one and not really hear what anyone else is thinking about it. And uh, 
I found it kind of cathartic. I think one of the things that was interesting about it, and I don't want to like, you know, kind of talk out of school or anything, but I feel like it's one of those things where when it hit, it was like super groundbreaking and was totally changing the way people looked at comics. But in a day and age where everything is Watchmen, um, it might lose a little bit of that shine Absolutely. to some people. But I still felt the kind of the gravity of it. I really enjoyed it. It really made me think about paneling, uh, working sure. in that, the, you know, the grid and what you can do with that. Mm -hmm. um, Gibbons, uh, you know, pretty, you know, doing the line work and the lettering. That was interesting to me, like, you know, seeing all that. Um, and then from there, I read uh, Brat Pack for the first time. I have not. So there you go. And, and, and that's, you know, that's another interesting kind of kind of take on the superhero genre and just really thinking about, you know, what's how messed up would this be? I, I mean, obviously, right now, boy, the boys is really big. Right. And, uh, you know, Brat Pack is kind of along those same lines as a critique. Who does that? Uh, what? Boys? Brat Pack. Oh, Brat Pack? Uh, Rick Beach. Right on. Beautiful art, too. Black and white art. Uh, ink washes multimedia just gorgeous work uh, you know some might find some of the subject matter a little iffy today um but i i think it still holds up right um i've you know i bounce i bounce around uh something else that i am i'm starting to look into is um i'm reading the alan moore swamp thing so it's just all kind of connected oh, it's so good it's so and, good yeah uh my my buddy steve he he lent that to me and uh i'm 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 just now digging into that really love the steve Bissett art and um just that nitty-gritty of the inks and stuff and just try when i when i look at a lot of this stuff i just kind of like look i look at the art a lot and just really try to like figure You're out a dissector what, right yeah yeah you can like, what, what is what do i love about this and what is making it st stand out to me Right. Um, you know, and the writing, of course, is cool. Uh, but I, 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 so I, I spent a lot of time kind of rejecting a lot of the superhero books, and um, really, it hasn't been since like Snyder Capullo on Batman that I've read anything that was superhero related. So it's been kind of cool to to dive back into some of these old classic critiques and just kind of see why I'm why I feel the way I do. I think a lot of it has to do with movie burnout, you know. I, I agree hundred percent there. Yeah. And the fact that they've been gone and you just got to accept it, but uh, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. A lot of people are revisiting the classics all over the place, whether it's mm -hmm. movies, TVs, comics, uh, there's a lot of revisiting going on. And like you said before, it's a perfect time to do that sort of thing. Right. Right. Set and reflect. Uh, I have finally sat down and uh, started uh, with my son watching avatar, the last airbender. Okay. Because I've never watched a cartoon before, so it was finally something that we, you know, I burned through everything else. I was like, hey, you know what? Let's do it. So now How, I'm, and now I'm hooked. It's it. awesome. It's just yeah. awesome. I never understood it. I was like, because I don't like anime. I'm not an anime guy okay. um, at all. But I'm captivated by the story because I did see the movie and I was like, that was pretty fucking cool why does everybody hate this so much right I, I i didn't see but now that i'm i'm on season two episode 14 okay and now i totally get why people didn't like it now like it like the simplest things were messed with 
as far as uh, mainly character that, uh, yeah, just make no sense why you would go in the direction that they went. Um, right. So now that I've seen it, I totally understand. But uh, I think they're doing a show, aren't they, for Netflix or something? I think somebody's doing an Airbender show. I'm um, not sure. I hope so. I'd, I'd like for them to give it a second chance, you know. Yeah. And plus, I went back also with the fact that, you know, being the Star Wars freak that I am and wanting them to give everything Star Wars to Dave Filoni and just have him run the, the whole goddamn thing is the fact that, you know, he had a big part in a lot of uh, Airbender, too. So I was like, it, it's, it's, he knows what he's doing. He brings the heart to the cartoons. And uh, I love it. I'm loving the story. I'm loving the lore. I'm loving the ideas, the care. It's such a unique world in the way that it's multiculturally nondescript. You know, like it's this mix of cultures, but all wrapped in this mainly Asian flavor. Right. It's is just super cool. I love that aspect. And you know what? It's, it's all that cool, you know, air, earth, wind. And come on, like, of course. Yeah, all the different elemental powers. Yeah. And, yeah. and then one who can control them all. Of course, man, that's like that's butter for like sci-fi nerd kids. You know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. uh, it's super cool. Oh, yeah. uh, Ryan, it's been absolutely fantastic to get to know you and sit here and chat with you, sir. Um, I'm super excited to check out Nomads volume one, the desert arc. Uh, and again, there's another cool thing you're doing. I'm, I'm stoked that you're kind of tripping through different environments and stuff. You know, that's something to look forward to. Like, you know, the next one's going to have a whole different flavor to it. Right. Oh yeah. We're, uh, we're going to head North into the freeze. So Oh, well, I'm quite yep. familiar with that. So, yep. you know, from the great, that's, great that's white north. Yeah, very cool. And, uh, you know, hopefully someday cons do come back. And because uh, I'm in Michigan all the time when I'm allowed to be. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can meet in person someday and uh, yes. I can get you to sign a comic book for me or something. We'll so do. That well, if you back the cool. Kickstarter, you'll have a signed copy. Right. Because you're doing it all because you do it all yourself uh super crazy um kids you need to go over to kickstarter you need to look up nomads volume one dot dot uh the desert arc and you need to support and all those cool tiers and all that amazing uh stuff that you saw that we were showing there uh ryan you're a super cool fascinating interesting guy man and you are welcome back on this show anytime thank you very much jason uh, once again, Nomads Kids, that is all we are going to have this week on An Elegant Weapon. So, you know, take it easy. By the way, I'm going to tell you all this while this is happening. This is the very last time you're ever going to hear any version of this theme song. Because as of the next episode, we got a brand new very very special treat of a theme song coming to y'all after nine years so ryan it's very very special sir that you're the last one to hear that song kids we're gonna see you real soon i want you all to take it easy be kind be awesome bye-bye